welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zempeloper in Dresden, Germany. We are very excited about this podcast because we get to focus on a new language, Auvergnat. Over the years, we've had several requests for more information on Cantaloupe's Chant d'Auvergne. So when I was at the International Congress of Voice Teachers this past summer in Stockholm and saw a seminar on the topic, I pretty much fangirled the presenters and sat in the front row like Hermione. <laughs> One of the presenters is our guest today, diction coach Elizabeth Brodovich, who, together with Dr. Lori McCann of the John J. Kelly School of Music, Montclair State University, is publishing a new diction resource entitled Chant d'Auvergne, A Singer's Guide to Auvergne Pronunciation. Right now, we don't have a publication date, but no fear. We will definitely be reminding everyone and posting order details on the Facebook page when it comes out. In this episode, we'll be working through the text to Bailero from the Chant d'Auvergne, talking about the rules of the Auvergne language as we come upon them. For more information about today's contributor, Elizabeth Brodovich, or to see our complete catalog of text readings, translations, and transcriptions, please visit dictionpolice.com. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter at Diction Police. Bailero. Pastri. De de laio. Agaire de bunting. Dio. Lu bailero lero. Lero, 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 bailerolo. E naipa gaire, e dio tu, bailero lero. Lero, 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 bailerolo. Pastri, lu prat fai flur, li calgorda un trupel. Dio lu bailero lero. Lero, 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 bailerolo. L'herbe est plus fine ol prat doici. Bailero, lero, 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 bailerolo. Pastri, cusi forai. En obal yo lu bel rio. Dio lu bailero lero. Lero 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 bailerolo. Espero me te bau circa. Bailero lero 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 bailerolo. In the very first word, we get a phonetic letter that we're not used to, an S with a box underneath it. Right, that little box is just to tell you to make a nice soft S. So what we were trying to do was phoneticize softness. The little box tells you to say the S with the blade of your tongue rather than with the tip of your tongue. So you get a slightly softer hiss. So you could say pastre with the tip of your tongue or pastre, pastre with the blade of your tongue spread across 
the alveolar ridge. So that kind of dissipates and makes a wider channel of air. It's just a little thing. It's not something that you want to really tell the audience, pass straight. That's, that's not the point of it. What it really is is a visual phonetic reminder of just the softness and the quickness of Auvergne consonants. That little square box means a laminal S made with the blade of the tongue. If you wanted to get really uh, deep into it, then you could have a little sort of upside down staple, and that would be the tip of your tongue. But the singer has a choice, and it certainly shouldn't impede the vocal quality or the vocal production or the vocal delivery by worrying over this, um, what again, what I'll call a visual phonetic reminder of softness. Yeah, and it's also not this not the same as the sibilant S of Castilian that we sometimes hear, that, that whistly sound? No, it's not a whistling sound. It's a soft, soft sound. Is the S in general always going to be this kind of sound? It's always this laminal S? Yes, it is. But when you have an S, and this, this was where we diverged from Cantaloupe's notes and from what is contemporary in Auvergne speech, and you know, not contemporary, it, it's always been there, is that when the S is followed by an I or E, a high forward vowel with a high forward tongue position, a tongue arch position, or an U or a Y, the S tends to slush and then starts to gravitate towards ESH, ESH. So they get a little bit of ish. Please pass the toast. Again, it's going to be soft. It's not going to be a big fat SH. It's not going to be please pass the toast, but please pass the toast. When they have the high forward vowels, the S and many other of the consonants in Auvergne tend to palatalize. They move up towards the palate and they, the boundaries of the consonant become a little bit blurred and you get a little bit of a sh in it. And we will this see is, that Thesadila. I was just going to say that. I remember seeing this towards the end with the circa, what I would say is like cherka. Oh, yes, like right. Cherka, yeah. Right, right, yeah. And this song is particularly good because there are several words in here. There's Kusi Sirka, and there's a third one, isn't it? Oisi. And so there we're going to have a little bit of a sh, but a higher pitched one, right? That's right. That's a good way to put it. Now, we have to say right away that you always have choices in working with this language, right? So all you're going to hear mostly on recordings is the C sedile followed by an I, which is not normal to French. Just speaking of French, that C sedile would never, there would never be a sedile under the C if followed by an I. So we got this peculiar situation. We don't know why he did it. The singer has a choice. So they will hear mostly just an S on the recordings. They'll hear oisi, coussi, and circa. But you occasionally hear somebody like Véronique Jean, and she is a little tinge of it. It's in there. And so what she is observing is the, are the contemporary and old speech habits of Auvergne. And she's slightly, as you said, how did you put it? It was beautiful. High, it was... Higher pitched. Higher pitch, almost. Cushy, cushy for I, cushy, as opposed to cushy, cushy for I. So you have that choice. The singer has the choice. And the comfort level is important. So you don't want to interrupt this, this singing line with a really unexpected and overdone pronunciation. Yeah. And with the S, we, we have the same... A similar choice then? Yes, you do. And the S is really much more subtle. Okay, it's, it's such a, a small degree of difference that again, the singer is wiser to do what the singer is comfortable with and then experiment with it a little bit. 
but it does point to a fairly high tongue position for these consonants because it's not just the S. You know, a T can be palatalized in Auvergne, and that's how they got to CH and S. The Z can be palatalized, and, and we do observe that in, in our work. A Z becomes a Y, Y, Y. You can hear the language gravitating to these new sounds. A J and a G, they're, they're fooling around with a, what was a J, a D, which eventually becomes a J, a J, J, J. And the ends are palatalized, Ny, Ny, So it's been like Russian, too, isn't it? They have a lot yeah, of palatalization. Yeah, they get that palatalization. Yeah, but it's a nice feeling in the mouth, and I think for singers it's really a, a good feeling because it brings you up and forward, you know, as opposed to a tendency to swallow our sounds. I think a lot of it has to do with moving towards the hard palate, above the hard palate, and less about moving back to the yeah. soft palate. I tend to think of these songs, or this language, as being mostly French. Am I right about that? It's certainly the feeling, because Auvergne is, is right smack in the middle of France, and it's certainly the closest to the French-speaking territories over the last thousand years. But the truth is that it isn't French. It actually belongs to the Occitan languages of the South. In my view, when you're working with Auvergne, you much think of working with Spanish and working with Italian. They are more closely connected, and for a number of reasons in the terms of their sounds. You will hear this Frenchifying, you'll, you'll hear nasal sounds on recordings, and they do now have, in their, in their dictionaries, they have nasal vowels. So they clearly have assimilated those vowels because of their proximity, because of television, because of modernity. But certainly in Cantaloupe's time, he said there are no nasal vowels, and there are no nasal vowels in the southern languages. So. To return to the question, it's interesting to be aware of the French things, but it's more interesting to, to come to it as if you were coming to Spanish or Italian. Okay. Just for the sake of argument, there are three things that I found that basically look like they came from the French for me. Okay. The fact that OU, the digraph OU, becomes the phonetic lowercase u. The letter U itself, when it's by itself, is the phonetic mixed vowel Y. And obviously, we've already seen the Cicidia. Oh, right. Right. So those are the three okay. things that look, that become like French in pronunciation, right? First of all, let me say Auvergne has diphthongs and triphthongs. They have consecutive vowel combinations. So that's completely diversion from French. Okay. The contemporary dictionaries say OU is pronounced as OU. I think it probably was Auvergne anyways. OU. It's not simply French. So that, that one is, is um, I think, common to both Occitan and to French. The U sound, yes, that is from French, yeah. Okay. So they have the basic Italian vowels. They have the E, they have E, they have E, they have A, they have O, O, U, and to that they have added U, the French U. But essentially it's the vowel system of Italian. Okay, and we have the open and closed E's. Do the accent markings indicate that for us? So we have like gaire with a closed A, and we have the open E with the, with the uh, accent grave. Yeah, Cantaloupe seems to have, um, he seems to have made that difference. 
So, again, I can only speculate that he wanted to do, do something so French singers could understand what to sing. Okay. So, in that respect, he uses the accent grave for the E. And he makes that difference, but an E with no accent on it generally is pronounced as E, anyways, E. I think what is important is that you sing a good E or an E. So, in between there, you can have a lot of, you can have a lot of in between, okay, between E and E. You can use vocalic harmonization, which is clear in the bilateral that something was happening, because the accent grave accents contradict each other. Or you can choose something in between. If it doesn't make a difference in meaning, do whatever works for you vocally. Because otherwise, it gets a little crazy trying to understand why the accents contradict themselves in, this, yeah. in these particular settings. The important thing, though, is that you sing a good E and not A, and you sing a good eh and not eh. And it's very high eh, very forward in the mouth, very. Well, if we even look at the second line of this piece, we have a few <laughs> of these details. We have, actually, the other thing that makes me think of French is the I with the diaresis, so oh, that it doesn't connect. We don't have a I being eh in this language. We have a and then the I separately. Right, and I think I think that just since you brought that up, and suddenly the light went on in my head. He he's pretty consistent, uh, Cantalupa about the diaresis over an I, and he and you, he probably did that, basically what you're saying to prevent French singers from singing as eh. So it actually shows you that you've got a consecutive vowel combination, gaire, gaire. And what you want to be sure of is that you don't cheat on the e part. Don't go gaire, gaire, because that's what makes the language suddenly jump out at you and grab you by the throat, and it, it's exciting. It sizzles. Well, in some ways, like the Italian, like say, that you have to hear both syllables of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, we have two ends at the ends of words, boom, and then we have a tang that goes to the ng, the, yeah. the ng. Yes, again, boon ten. Uh, again, you've got some choices. So boon ten elides very naturally because of the place of articulation, right? So boon ten. And then at the end of phrases, there is a, a tendency for them to nasalize that final ng, boon ten. And the e will probably naturally close a bit. But, you know, you certainly, you could just say bunten. You might even not even hear an N at the end, bunten. Or you can sing it as bunteng. In this case, again, you've got choices. And in in the, the way we presented the songs in the manual, eventually, you will be given those choices. But we had to put something in there. So we used the ng of the um, see, a song, of English song. Yeah. But again... These are gourmet details, and again, it's a very soft consonant pronunciation system. So, pastry, whatever works for the singer is fine. There's really no right answer. There's a lot of answers. And the next word, we don't want to say this like Italian, right? We don't want to say Dio. No, no, it's Dio. And I think farther down in the word, you'll get you'll get an I-O, right? Uh, in the yes. third verse. And about yo, lu, bel, riu. Yo. And yeah, that's pronounced as a glide, right? They're both glides. Just that's what it is. Yo is actually, there actually, that is the same as French. Il y a, il y a. And they're saying yo. Yeah. Uh, which it's also the same as Spanish. Is it? Just. Yes. Yeah. 
And so short, and also let's just point out that the Dio actually doesn't mean God here. It, it's more, it's an interjection. So she's saying, um, you're probably not having much fun over there. Hey, call baile rolero. It's sort of like Roger or over. So lu baile rolero. So it, it's a funny word. It, it could have a lot of meanings. And with the baile rolero, there's uh -huh. certain leros that have open O and just a regular O printed O. But yeah. then we have some that have the accent circumflex, and then we have the closed mm -hmm. O. Yeah, and this is where you start to think I'm going to have to have some counseling pretty soon because I don't know <laughs> what to do with this. <laughs> so, so what I did and when I read it, I read it exactly as it appeared on the page. And why there's the contradictions, what can we say, typos, whatever. So I read it and translated exactly as it is on the page. But again, you have choices. The singer has a choice. If you do something in between, the O and the O, if you find it, certainly on the ends of these things, like, and you got a nice long phrase at the end, you let sound close, carries better, perhaps. When we get into the, the reverberation, not the reverberation, the echo as it's coming back from the person far away, the, cl the more closed you sing that vowel, the more it can feel like it's from a distance too. So maybe that's one of the choices to think about. That's right. So it becomes an interpretive feeling connected to a physical delivery. We are, have become so accustomed in lyric diction to knowing the right answer. So right, you see the O, you see there's no circumflex, it's O. And then you see the same word with an O circumflex and we really don't want to do. What do we do? Um, we, we're so used to, to being very clear about our boundaries and here we're working where the boundaries seem to have just said, well, goodbye, we're on holiday. Uh, so, <laughs> so remember that our conditioning asks us to give an answer and uh, here I think uh, we, we just have to kind of relax, yeah. make some choices on our own. One of the questions that I had was whether we want to roll ours or we just want to flip them, or is there a rule about this? In general, flipped. I'm sure we'll hear rolled ours. I, I know I do it sometimes. I think if you have an emotional word that you want to get a little more emotion into it, you can roll the R. There are plenty of recordings. Um, I, I think it would really depend on the speaker. You could hear a speaker that rolls and another speaker that doesn't. But I would stick with the flipped R because I think that's a better singing vowel. And what about final consonants? I notice in the second verse, or the, when the voice two comes in, he has the word pa, P-A-S. Yes, pa is such a, a common word that it's probably better to leave it off. But you'll hear Véronique Jean, a French singer, singing pas, 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 and all the way through. Um, so the final consonants, Auvergne, of all the, the languages that it comes from, from Occitan languages, certainly is the least interested in pronouncing its final consonants. And there are times when they need to pronounce them. So, for example, in voice two of verse two, l'herbe est plus fine, the, the, the grass is finer, okay? That verb être, there you need to pronounce the S because you're going to, otherwise you're going to mix it up with a, meaning and. So there are some verbs where you need to pronounce it. There are um, situations where you need to pronounce, especially plural consonants. You pronounce the S because it helps the listener know that you're talking about something that's plural. But it's kind of touch and go on final consonants. There are also assimilations of consonants, like uh, uh, an N can be assimilated into a B coming after, or a P, or an M. 
which is very Spanish, is it not? And Italian, too. And yeah. Italian, yeah. So the, sh the final consonants are really shifting around. I think at the end of it, you can pronounce, you can choose to pronounce them, or you can pronounce them minimally, or you can pronounce them not at all. So what you're going to really do is say to the audience, I'm not, you know, did she say that or not? And it, and it won't really matter. <laughs> are consonants in general soft? Are they in general like dental? Yes, they have the dental consonants. They have the d. They have uh, j. They have the j. They've kept the j, which is in Italian, and they have a z. And those two interact. They can be interchangeable. And that's interesting because the French went to j. They dropped the stop, and they went to j. But the Auvergnat has kept the d j z j of Italian. What are the consonants are there? There's all the, the lip consonants, p, p, m. They have a li, a li, filiotto, filiotto. Yeah, the and palatal L, the, the lambda. Yes, thank you. The palatal L, so they have that, and that's Italian and Spanish, is it? Is it? Yes, it is Spanish. Yes. Mm -hmm. they have, and they also have the palatal N, right? The yes, they do. Yeah, they have the nia of Montagnarda, something like that. They have a BV interchange, so you'll say Auvergno, Auvergno, instead of, which is now Auvergno, Auvergno, so they have that BV interchange. And if you listen to various speakers, um, we didn't address this because there weren't enough words, but they even have a th in the, in the, inter, the medial D becomes a th or the, or, th or the, the T, they have that. The, the delta and the theta. So that's right, they have that, yeah. Uh, on various speakers that I've heard who who weren't singing but speaking, so they have a, a number of consonants again, where in my opinion the consonants become a little bit slushed, you know. Oh, and they have the g of agua, agua in Spanish okay, so as well. The, the gamma. Mm, yeah, that's and right. And they have and the the big b, the the one that's between a b and a v, right? That's right, between b and v, 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 v and that will occur in the middle of the word. Medial. So again, it's a very interesting consonant system that uh, that really is directly. It has nothing to do with French. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot more to do with Spanish. We do have one I with an ear, I with a circumflex in this text towards the end. Yeah, and and just going back to the point you brought up about the. AI circumflex, where AI was together, and the circumf not circumflex, sorry, diaresis. So we have the AI with a diaresis. In that case, he's using it to tell you that you've got a consecutive vowel combination in which each vowel is said with one vowel getting more stress. In the question where you have Ryu in the third verse, Lubel Ryu, there you have a circumflex over the I. And in that case, the circumflex tells you that the I is stressed. So again, you're having a consecutive vowel combination, but in this case, he uses the circumflex to show vowel stress. And they do, in Auvergne, they do primarily use accent marks to show vowel stress. Then they have to, he uses it later because of French, where he shows vowel pronunciation. But, so what you have a diaresis over an I, to show a consecutive vowel pronunciation, you have a circumflex over an I to show you that that is the stress vowel of the consecutive vowel combination.
We do spend a lot of time trying to find the right and wrong answers in lyric diction. It can seem like everything is black or white, right or wrong, open or closed. But notice how often Elizabeth said that the singer has to make a choice in this text. Especially with any of these more unusual consonants that we don't run across in our regular singing languages, if you find them too uncomfortable, or if you just didn't understand them, then sing the closest sound you know that you are comfortable with. Just to go over some of these unusual letters again, the S with the box under it from the very beginning of the text is the laminal S, which means it's not made with the tip of the tongue, which would be called apical S, but with the flat top front part of the tongue just behind the tip. It's a softer sound than an apical S because the air has a broader area to flow through. So instead of S, we get and it does take a little practice getting from the blade of the tongue back to a dental tip of the tongue T in a word like pastre. If you're finding it difficult, remember that at the Diction Police website, we have a 20-minute tongue exercises video that helps isolate and strengthen the different muscles of the tongue, which can make this easier. The other unusual consonant was the C with a little curly tail, which Elizabeth said was a result of pronouncing the S closer to esh, the long squiggly s. I've been playing around with this sound, especially when I saw on the Wikipedia page that we also find this in the Scandinavian languages and that it can be the equivalent of the W with the tail in Russian. For this one too, we need to use the blade of the tongue up again on the alveolar ridge behind the upper teeth, similar to the Cicidia that we know from German. In fact, I would put this consonant sort of between the Cicidia, ich, laut, and the esh, the long squiggly s. Again, if this consonant starts to take over too much brain function and is disturbing your singing, it is possible to pronounce just a light esh. But if you do decide to go that way, think about keeping the tongue in a high position while you do it, in order to keep the pitch of it high. We often forget that esh can have sort of a pitch, since it's actually unvoiced, but if the back of the tongue is low, sh sounds lower than if the back of the tongue is high, sh, or you can simply use that laminal S. Again, we'll be posting about the Chant d'Auvergne, A Singer's Guide to Auvergnat Pronunciation, as we get more information about publication, so keep checking the Facebook page for it. Bailero Pastre de de lai laio a gaire de bun teng dio lu bailero lero lero Lero, 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 bailero lo. E nai pa gaire. E dio tu. Bailero, lero. Lero, 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 bailero lo. Pastre, luprat, 
Faifluur, Li, Cal, Gorda, Tun, Trupel, Dio, Lu, Bailero, Lero, 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 Bailero, Lo, L'herbe, es, pu, fin, oltra, doici, bailero, lero, 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 bailero, lo. Pastre, cuci, foraille. En obal yo lu del riu. Dio lu bailero lero. Lero, 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 bailero lo. Espero me te bau circa. Bailero, lero, 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 bailero, lo. This interview with Elizabeth Brodovich was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. Phonetic transcription by Elizabeth Brodovich and Lori McCann. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction GBR. 